What is good, fam, token fam? Hey, listen, it's your boy Sanchez. Thank you so much for listening, tuning in, subscribing. I hope that you guys are getting these notifications. We're about to ramp up our season. Uh, In the meantime, Cedric and I are taking a few weeks to prep and plan. Uh, We've been busy wrapping up the summer, getting ready for school, all all of that stuff you guys know about. So all that to say is we're excited about what's coming and we can't wait to share that with you. But in the meantime, we're going to kick it back to a few of our favorite episodes. Uh, we've taken some time to just go. We realized like we've, we've released a ton of content. And so some of the quality may vary because some of it we recorded on COVID. Some of it was pre-COVID. So you'll hear some old music. You'll hear all of those things. However, we just want you guys to have some content because we do feel like a lot of what we've said on this podcast is heavy, but necessary and needed. And maybe some of you are new to the podcast and you haven't had the opportunity to really see our journey progress. And maybe you've missed out on some of these key and good conversations we've had. So anyways, shout out to our Patreons. You guys make this podcast happen. You make it work. You allow us to continue to put out content, to continue to invite guests and, and, and keep this thing going. And if you're not a Patreon, please consider signing up on patreon.com. Also, social media. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You have direct access to Cedric and myself, and we can't wait to engage with you. But in the meantime, enjoy this week's podcast. Welcome back to season two of Token Confessions. On today's episode, we have special guest Art Hooker from Dallas, Texas. Art joins Cedric and I on this conversation around race, and it was so incredible that I forgot to press record on Cedric's mic. You will hear Cedric in the background. However, Art does a great job at sharing his story, having us in tears from crying, but also challenging us in the midst of this hard conversation surrounding race. Enjoy. Said ghost and I'm like Ghostface Killer. Yeah. I know that sound very like non, but I guess I'm in good company. We all. Tony Stark. Oh yeah. Tony I was gonna write a book called You Talk White. I think you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I've been, I've been, I've been writing chapters, and I, I knew that it was gonna work. Right, like in Obama's first term, you know, they, they said that they said yeah. he talks in the and the Dick Durbin is that his name or it was a guy like he had like a Dick name, like literally his name was. <laughs> It was like dick though. <laughs> it was like something you know. I had a boss. You've seen the movie Bamboozle. You have a bo- yeah. You've seen the movie Bamboozle. No. I, I've been meaning to go back. You've and you've got to watch Bamboozle because like I had a boss. His name was Richard, and um, and he was black. And it was my first boss I ever had when I was a manager. Yeah. So I was a manager. It was like my first big job. I had like 25 employees. And, and I was like the only other black manager. Right. And then we reported into this boss named Richard. And um, Richard was always saying like, hey, Art, like um, we're going to we work together with other black people. But he would always sell me out when the boss came in. Right. All right. the time. He would right. sell me out. And then. The boss was really mean. She was just like, she was just really mean. And, you know, all female bosses aren't like this, but she was just really, really mean. Right. And he would always sell me out. And then he would help the white people. And I'd be like, Richard, like, what's going on? And then I just remembered, I just, and so later,
later in life whenever I've started, you know, I write, I write films. Right. And I create this this thing, this story about, it's called um, The Confessions of a Bill Collector. Right. And Bill Collector, because I was a Bill Collector, I was working in collections and I was a manager. Right. And so there's this character in there and I started like really thinking about it and there's this character called Pierre Delacroix in Bamboozle. Pierre Delacroix was exactly the Richard I worked for. Uh, but I couldn't like bite off of it so I just started calling the characters, like the characters, I started calling them Dick. Yeah. And so, it, and so, so you see the character, it's like, his name is Richard, but everybody calls him Dick. And, I, and like the way, the way that I opened, the way that I opened the scene up, I was like, I was like, one of the first scenes is like, what are, the, what, are, what are the people are coming to it? Like we have like an all hands meeting and, and, and they're like, and, and, and Richard's outside and they're like, oh my God, I can't handle it. Dick is all up in my ass. Because they're talking about Dick. Dick, I, I almost said his last name. But if, if you're listening to me, if you know, if you know me in my time there, Dick, you know who you are. Yeah, you know? but it's yeah, okay. Yeah, because because I learned who he was. Because back yes. then I thought, well, all black people stuck together. Yeah. But then I realized for a period of time, like if I work for a black man, yeah, that I'm not going to make it in my career. I wow. learned that early. Wow. And then, it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's like uh, you know in Star Wars. Yeah, with Sith Lords. Yeah, there can only be two. And wow. That's a problem, but yeah. I, but I want to make sure I'm on the record saying you can't work for a black man because you can. I learned that later, right. but there is I'm some. Joking, there can always be more than two. Yeah, right. But right. there could, but there could be. There's there's this plantation mentality sometimes that I ran into in my twenties. That um that at first you you have a tendency to go on a pendulum. You're like, well, if if Dick press, I mean, I'm gonna say his name. If Dick is this way, then all black men are this way. But yeah. It, it, and then, but well, actually, the one of my best bosses I ever had, his name was Mike Potts. And he was a black man, and um, I had a I was in, in a really bad space. Like I just I really didn't believe in myself. I think I was like 21 years old. I, the only job I'd had before then was like I worked at like a, um, at a what did I do? I had like I had all these different part time jobs. Right. And Mike gave me my first real job. He um, he worked with me. He actually believed in me. He coached me. It was I remember it was the first like this I made. This is so crazy. I, I remember getting um, I, I started part time, and um, I think my first full time job was making like twenty two thousand dollars. Wow! And I was like, I am rich. Right. I was like twenty two thousand dollars. Right. My grandmama didn't make this money. My daddy right. didn't. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So a black man helped me. So yep. it was always kind of a, like so when I went into corporate America and I was really kind of moving up the ladder. Right. It was a surprise mm-hmm. to have yeah. the dick guy. Yeah. Be the way it was. Yeah. Because he because he overtly so Mike didn't tell him help me because you're black. Mike right. just like, hey, you're a young brother. I see you potential in you. Right, right. Dick shows up and says, oh, we, we got to stick together, man. We got to stick together. Right. And then he's like, Throws and, and every time the pretty the pretty white girl comes in, Throws me under the bus. Yeah, man. Well, hey, guys. Welcome to today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, me, Cedric, and we have a special guest, Art Hooker, who's a good friend of mine, uh, all the way from Dallas, Texas. He's in town, and uh, he's staying with me uh, for a few days. So, I was like, yo, Art, let's just do the podcast. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we just, you guys are just jumping into the middle of a conversation that we've been having for about the last hour or so. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, so we are, we're going to dive in again, we're, I guess we're going to 
go a little bit deeper out yes. into the ocean. <laughs> so no pun uh, intended. No pun intended. Especially if you heard any of our earlier conversation. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, don't don't say ocean again. That's too much. Oh man, I want, I want. Oh man. So you're probably gonna laugh. You're probably gonna go, ah man. Yeah. Uh, this podcast. That's what we're about. And so today we just wanna. We're just gonna have a conversation with Art, and uh, we're just gonna get Art to kind of share kind of the work he's doing. Um, Art does various things um, around the country and is well connected, um, particularly in, in, when it comes to race and race and tensions and stuff like that. So, um, who is Art Hooker? That's the first question. So yeah. we always ask our special guests. So just kind of tell them who you are, where yeah. you're from, etc. I'm a man that I've realized that the most important thing I can do, and the most the most important work that I'll ever do, is the work that I can do in my own home um, with my wife Natasha, and my daughters, Caitlin and Chloe. Uh, I live in Dallas. I've been married. Um, this year will be 20 years of wow. marriage. Um, I have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old. Um, actually, uh, one of my oldest daughter turns um, nine next week. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so that's, um, that's where I'm at on that. Um, it, you know, so it's interesting when you say, like, what do you do? Who is this? Right. right. So I remember watching Martin. You guys remember that show, Martin? Oh, yeah. I still and, watch you know, it. You know, like, this, like Tommy. Like, does Tommy really Tommy have a job? Tommy does. He have a job. Yeah, yeah. And so. <laughs> Tommy, you <laughs> ain't yeah, yeah, got Tom, no yeah, job. Yeah, you ain't got no job. Because, yeah. But Tommy, you know, so Tommy always seemed to be taken care of. But right. Like, what, is, what does he go during right, the day? Right, right, right. Well, you know, yeah, like, brother man from the fifth floor. Right. You know, it's like, what's going on? And um, so I, it was interesting. But I've in, in my life, though, I've learned, I've had other friends of other ethnicities who have jobs that do kind of what I do right. but no one ever treats them like they're Tommy like they don't have a real job but they always wonder what he does but basically um, I'm a producer um, and a social designer um, and I uh, work across several different mediums um, I do um, right now I'm producing a musical um, called um, Union I'm working with um, some really good friends um, Show Baraka is, okay. um, he's he's uh, he's a uh, He's a co-creator, writer, um, and a star of it. Um, Greg Thompson is um, a civil rights scholar. He's a co-creator, writer, and um, and a performer in it as well. Um, a friend of mine, um, um, uh, Justin Merrick, he's directing the piece. Um, nice. Uh, and some other friends. Um, Anasa Troutman is one of the executive producers. She's one of the writers. Um, and... Um, and we and a Kristen Adele, she's actually um, a co-director, and she's she just finished doing a project called Campfield um, Drive, where mm. they um, they basically inter- interviewed a hundred people about Mike about the that about the day that Mike Brown was killed, or like that week or that period of time, and they just um, mounted a play called Campfield Drive in oh, St. Wow. Louis. So these are the kind of people that are in the community with me and the work that I do. But I, I work with theater, film, um, music. Um, uh, I do a lot of work. I worked. Um, I was a vice president of learning design for a city group okay. for ten years. We did global global learning, and all that ties back into the work that I'm doing with movements, strategy, and um, producing things to create. And the goal of everything we do is we. I specifically work with people and organizations to help them discover their passion, turn their passion into purpose, and turn that purpose into action. So I need to get your number when we're done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Completely down, yeah. That'd be good. Well, that's Art Hooker in a brief nutshell. Yeah. Uh, But... What you guys don't know about Art is Art is probably one of the funniest human beings that I know. 
Uh, so oh, I'm so yeah. It's literally just had me and my wife and Cedric in the kitchen. We were just dying laughing, yeah. and so just the wittiness, the humor. You'll probably pick up on some of that as maybe. well. Maybe <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting prepped for the new one. Um, what, what's that movie where the the Get Out? We're gonna do Get Out three, and um, <laughs> it's gonna be impro- impromptu. We're gonna wake Sanchez's wife up, and. Uh, <laughs> And it's going to be really ad hoc, and um, there's going to be cameras everywhere, but we're, you don't tell her, and you don't know her name yet, but she's, it's going to be a very That's interesting, hilarious. and we're not going to do this two, we're just going to go to hilarious. three. You know what's funny yeah. is that uh, my wife and I joke about that with my mother-in-law, about the essential oils, and how she, like, when, when I started going to her house, she had her teacup, and the next thing you know, I'm all about oils, I'm all about, like, like wait, organic wait. living, and holistic living. Whole foods down the street. Right, right, yeah. right. And, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. right, right. That's the second yeah. place. But no, I love my mother in law. She's mm. she's incredible. You better you better and, uh, love her. No, yeah. she's she's I love you too, Mama Law. I don't even know who yeah, you are. Yeah, no, they I, I literally have the best in laws that I like the Lord knew what he was doing mm. and, and I'm really grateful. But you know, again, uh, part of our conversation in the kitchen, we were just talking about history again. Mm. Um Art made a comment, you know, to my wife that, you know, I thought was very important is, is that we have to learn history so that mm-hmm. we know the patterns that are repeating themselves. Yeah. And, and we're currently in that stage now, yeah. especially here in America. And yeah. so, um, so Art, right, talk a little bit about your experiences with just race, racism in general mm-hmm. in, in America, you know, personal experiences, but also how does that play in the creative realm that you're in as well? That's a good question. You got to guide me because, of course, I can ramble um but um i think it's interesting so i think my my first experience with race was always i was very disoriented by it because as a child i didn't understand black and white didn't make any sense right i remember when i draw pictures of people white people were peach black people were brown and that was it you know and then i remember just resisting the idea like I just I never could understand the construct. Mm-hmm. Now, when I did start to understand the construct is when I just started listening to the symbolism of what people say, and I understood the system. I understood early on that 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 race was a historical construct, and so as a child, and that was the only way for me to bring to understand it in a way that could keep me safe. And so, um, and so, I mean, at growing up, and I was raised in a predominantly. I start my my family. We lived in um, an economically depressed neighborhood, and um, where they're mostly minorities. And when I turned around, when I was, I went to second, third grade. My mm-hmm. family, we just kept having issues. We moved around a lot, and mm-hmm. then somehow we landed in a poor white um, neighborhood. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it landed in a poor white neighborhood that fed into a really wealthy high school. Okay. And so it was, um, and um, that's when I really started to understand this connection between race, class, and even gender in other ways. Mm. And so, um, and so growing up in high school in, in this area, I was raised in Arlington, Texas, and it, it, there's great people there. Like mm-hmm. I love, like I have some of my, some, like, like some of my best friends are white people. Like, there's some, right. like so I had some really good times, but also had some really intriguing times around race. And um, I was pulled over by the police. I've, I mean, I was pulled over by police at least hundreds of times. I got to the point to where even now when it happens, I, I'm very, very comfortable. I know what to do. Right. I'm, I'm thankful, you know. So that was my early experiences with it. I could, yeah, there's, I'm like thinking of things I could say, but some things I don't want to say because they're people that I can refer to that people will know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I won't do that. But, um, but it's really interesting. Um, and so that informed, but for me, I suppressed this, um, the, 
like you know racism so even in high school like I, I was like a vice president of the cultural awareness coalition mm. um, at least so, you have one yeah yeah we had one of those right <laughs> and I, I went to it like my in my high school I think we may have had oh man like my high school it might have been like 20 um, 20 maybe 20 black people out of close to it close to like a uh, a senior class of like almost a thousand people. A senior class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. We had we had a really big, really big high school. Wow. But I so I played football, and um, so this is a, this is an interesting story about about race. So it was about five of the guys we were on the football team, and um, it was the summer. It's the summer heat, you know. Football yeah. and football. We take we, in, in Texas. We take football really, really seriously. Right. Of course. And really seriously. And um, I remember <laughs> it was really, really, it was really, really hot. It's like most of our team is white. It's the five, it's five brothers, and uh, I don't know why they did this, but it was hot. It was like a hundred something degrees. Um, it was at the end of practice, and for who I don't know who did this, but they decided to order. They had a watermelon truck, oh. and it will, and it was the ice cold. It was a watermelon truck. It was so cold that when they pulled up to the to the um, deal, they opened up the when they opened up the back of the truck, and it was like you could feel the cold right, coming out. Yeah. And we were so hot. It is a wow. watermelon truck. But we're all, it's all white school. Right. It's only five brothers on the team. Right. And we all got together and said, we will not be the first ones in line. Right. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> like, you will not be the first person. Yo, right, right, You will not do it. You will not do it. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I joke that I darn near lose my black card because I don't like watermelon. Wow. Yeah. I I'm wish not, you were with us that day. I'm not crazy about watermelon either. Wow, I, you know it's funny. I I've been my son I, loves it though. You know it's weird. Yeah, so, they skipped a generation. <laughs> it's in your genes, brother. Yeah. So the watermelon truck is there, and I'm like, whatever you do, we told us that whatever you do, we all said we would not be the first one in line. Right. And everybody heard except for one brother. Oh man. And I'll never hey, forget. It. Be I'll never forget. It. I'll never forget it. I, I, I want to call him out. I was. I, I got to say. His, I, I want to say his name, but it, it just. I, it don't seem right. I feel he's not gonna listen to this. Yeah, his name yeah. was Eric. I won't tell you his last name. Oh, and, Eric. It, it, and Eric I gotta, Johnson. I, no, no, it's not Johnson. His name is Eric. It is, it's not my brother. I have a brother named Eric. This is a different yeah. Eric. Yeah. It's just in case he hears this. But Eric is this guy named brother named Eric. And I, we were like, everybody, don't. Go up. Don't be the first in line, at least. I right. know you like watermelon. Don't be the first one in line. Right. We, we have, we, you have to understand it's a stereotype. Right. So, watermelon truck opens up. Eric jumps up. He's like, ah! <laughs> He's like screaming. And I'm like, no, you can't. And I, we, he, he, we, if, if one of us does this, it's, it represents right. us all. He runs to the front of the watermelon. Uh. And he gets in front of everybody. He gets a big, he gets a half of a watermelon. Oh, bro. He gets the whole thing and he's, no. he's and, he, no. and this is not exaggeration. He takes the watermelon, he's, he's just jabs his face and he's like, oh no, he's grabbing the watermelon. And then after that, and we're, and we're mortified, I'm like, Eric, you can't do this because they're going to think this is how we all are. Right. Where now y'all can't have it. Ever. He ate at the end, he ate the watermelon and then he was like he and then he put the hole on top of his head. Oh bruh. And he literally danced around. Oh bruh. And so for me, when I saw that, I thought to myself, and first of all, we were That's all shamed. And we ba- I mean it was one of the most traumatic black things, because you know, understand there's only like four black girls at our school. Yeah. But the good thing is Eric eliminated himself. Right. <laughs> 
it's a, we, we shame because it's it's like for me like my mom and dad like they were like you can't don't marry a white girl because you get killed like literally yeah. my, my mom was like don't do it yeah. and so I was terrified of white girls but all we had was white every day it was a white girl come up to me like hey Arthur hey and I'm like oh man but my mom was saying that if I date a white girl I mean I'm a, I'm a, like literally right so I, they didn't know the white girl was like why, why don't you not like me I'm like I don't, I don't know what I like but I can't <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget it. I mean, like, I was trying to avoid this. But it was, it was, it was, oh, I, I'm just serious. I'll never forget. It's really, it's really crazy. I remember I was, and this is right after, after Eric did all this crazy oh, stuff with geez. the watermelon. I'm like, oh. wow. I mean, we, then I'm like, we got to be militant now. Right. But we got to be, we got to be conscious. But I understand my history because he doesn't understand about the watermelon. And then my mom and them tell me, I can't, don't, don't date a white girl. Right. But it's nothing but white girls there. Yeah. The four black girls, they was too, you know, they was getting black guys from the hood. Right, <laughs> and I, I don't mean that like I don't want to be that like a class like I love like I love my people you know what I'm right, saying right, but right. like if they wanted like this, this dudes is wearing like like jumpsuits like they're from prison but they really weren't from prison oh my I learned gosh. later these brothers was acting it was just like me right, but they just knew right. how to, they knew how they were code switching at a high level uh, there we go. but if I had yeah. known about code switching then I, I, first of all you probably wouldn't even know me because if I learned a code switch <laughs> I probably would have blended in better yeah but, um, yeah. but, but it was so it's so, it such oh, a crazy man. situation so that's, that's, how, that's how I got engage with with race yeah. and then and trying to figure out what to do okay i need to breathe <laughs> yo that was that was an awesome story that was hilarious it might have been it's, long i don't know if it's no no it's great better. it's great it's great but i you you hit on something that you know or you alluded to something earlier that yeah. i i definitely want to talk about because you know being black men that were in predominantly white settings yeah. the the tendency is to adapt to their culture yeah. and to begin to enunciate your words yeah and so you know talk about you know like oh, it's interesting yeah yeah so talk a little bit about so, that you know and and for the record you did marry a black woman yeah, i did my wife is black and, yeah yeah now yeah. she does seem to have some chinese ancestry no, i'm joking i'm joking but if you look if you meet my wife you'll be like wait wait and she gets mad when i say this because because yeah. her mom and them they're very very black they're from marlin texas That's you know there's hilarious. cotton fields yeah and her grandfather had a had um had a had cows so she's black yeah. no i'm joking white people have cows too <laughs> So I'm not saying that only black people have oh, but, but oh, we were talking about enunciation. So here's yeah. the thing. Um, this is why I, I, I because think, many people probably hear you talking, yeah, and they're gonna say, ah, you know, I think he's black, yeah, you know, but I think so because you you the most. And this is really terrible. I used to think it was like the really good racist people, yeah, not good racist, but the people. There's some people that can hear the amber, they can hear the voice, and they can be like, oh, he's he's a he's a black person, he's, he's a negro. You can say. I, I was like, wait, can I, I, was, I was waiting to be beeped. I was like, wait, I, I, I wasn't gonna say the n word. I was gonna say, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. like James Baldwin said, I'm not your negro. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I, I, yeah. I, I was about to say, but so it's really interesting, right? So the way that I talk now is the way that I talked when we lived in the hood. Gotcha. And so it was, it was actually quite a big, quite, <laughs> quite a problem. It was quite a problem. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. seriously. And so my life is kind of peculiar like that because like I had, a, um, <laughs> so I remember uh, I was just, uh, I was Bob. People were very concerned with the way that I talked. Right. And I remember um, I lived in um, this, in, in, a, in Oak Cliff. Um, when I was a kid, and um, it was this kid named Bootsy, mm-hmm. and um, and um, Bootsy was like, I-, "I don't like you anymore." And I'm like, "Bootsy, what do you mean?" He's like, "I don't like you anymore." I said, "I said why?" He's like, "Because you you talk white." I'm like, "What?" Wow. I'm like, "But I don't even know any white people, Bootsy. How do I talk white if I don't know any white people?" He's like, "You just talk white." And he said, "I'm gonna take your bike." Because you talk white, I say, "Bootsy, Bootsy, you can't take my bike. Why you want to take my bike?" You know, it was like, right. and so that was my first fight was with Bootsy. Over my bike because I talked white, 
right? And I'm like, I don't understand this. And I remember another dude, I would I went to school, his name was Stanley. I think Stanley had been left back like he must have and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if you you know, if you if you get left back in a grade, you know, parents hold kids back all the time. So it's not a Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah. the first guy is Somebody who stole your bike, so I instantly go to Devo. Devo. Like that's, Devo. A, that's exactly <laughs> what I went to. Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't know this, but I promised they were Stanley. It's like, oh, wait a minute, dude. are you talking about I Friday, literally, bro? No. I literally thought the same thing. But, but my Stanley was different. Let me describe the Stanley though. He, he had been left back several years, oh, and geez. he'd been left back. He was very, very big, and I'll yeah. never forget. He had like a he wore tight brown sweaters. Yeah, this is this is like the early '80s. So he had tight brown sweaters. He had like a, a button-up shirt underneath it. Yeah, and it was like, but it the 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 uh, collars like, he wasn't very fashionable. So one collar be pe- peeping up uh, over it, uh, other one be under. Yeah, and um and I and he was bigger than me, and he was taller than me. And I would look at him, and he was slow. He, I wouldn't want to say he was slow, but he always had like a little bit of snot, like a, oh. like a snot mustache. <laughs> And so, no, serious. He also snot mustache, and I, I and, I, he, and, and I was, I was trying to get into school. I was running a little oh, behind, man, yeah. and he was standing at the door. And I'm like, you know, I can't get in, Stanley. Can you let me through? I didn't want, I didn't want any trouble. Right. You know? I'm like, Stanley, can I, can I get in? I, I gotta get to class. And um, and he, and Stanley says, Why are you talking like that? Uh, and I said, I said, Stanley, I, I don't know, I don't understand. What do you? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what you're saying. No, no, no. I really, I was like, he said, "Why are you talking like that?" And I was like, Stanley, I, I, I really, I really could not understand what Stanley was saying. I know it. Like later on, I figured it out. Oh, dude. But he's like, I don't like you. I was like, Why don't you like me? Cause you talk white. Oh man. So this is early on, you yeah. know. And then, so and how old yeah. were you here? Oh man, I, I this is like between like those th- those two stories between like the ages of like eight and um 11 gotcha wow yeah. and then and then when i so we and we moved around so then the first white school i went to i was trying to find a way to connect because you know the black school i didn't fit because but and i was so i was raised with like my parents were both like working class black people my whole family's like that right and so for me to talk this way i don't really know why but it's just the way i talked right and so my cousins would be like oh man you think you talk white every i mean right. the whole family was like this yeah and then um and then i went to the so my first white school i went to mm-hmm. um <laughs> so my first white school i went to but then i realized oh i don't fit in with the white people because right. I, I talk white and they don't they want to know why you talk white right right so then the first white school I went to I, I that's when I started kind of going toward humor to kind of find yeah. a way to find a place yeah. and so one day in the middle of class I said I am from Africa <laughs> I told them I said I'm African and I and I and I mean you hear my African accent is not very good yeah. I was like I'm from Africa it might start sounding like I'm sounding like, sound like I'm imitating somebody from India and I remember and I told them and they sat around me and said Arthur Arthur speak African to us Oh man! Oh, I mean, man. literally, is I miss it. I was I was in th- I was in third grade actually. Miss Aries was my teacher. Oh and, man! And I, I told them I said my dad's from Af- my dad's really really dark skinned So I was like, you know my dad's African. You know what was funny about that, and like sadly funny. Yeah. Like you saying you're from Africa was yeah. enough. Yeah. Forget the fact that Africa is a continent, yes. not a country. That's right. true. And that there's how many countries in Africa? Nope. Just the fact that it's Africa. It's Africa. That's that's all we need to know. Talk to us. Entertain us. That's literally what I did. Wow. 
I'm sorry. I've kind of went off these long tangents, but it was fun. No, man, yeah. that's good stuff, man. <laughs> and uh, I don't know because I think, you know, we share similar experiences. You know, for me, I, I'm actually writing a paper on my – the question was, uh, when was the first time you became aware of your race? Mm. And, you know, for me, um, I shared a story about in seventh grade how I was at a middle school that I love, you know, working middle class, mm. you know, so both parents job, you know, pretty diverse a community in Malden, South Carolina. So, mm, but mm, our school mm. was like 50, 50, but I, I only associated with black people and I had white friends, mm. you know, but I didn't have this. It was kind of like people are people. Right. So, you know, <clears throat> kind of like you, you know, I was bullied a little bit mm. and I, well, not that you were bullied, but you know, you, but I didn't realize until I got, I had to turn like in, into my thirties. Like, wait a minute. I saw like I think I worked somebody helped somebody do a, a bully PSA. I was yeah. like, wait a minute. I was, I was bullied. Yeah, I was bullied. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley yeah. was a bully. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard not being the same same age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, there's, only, there's only there's a special category reserved for bullying. Right. Like, you re- I mean you had to like fight people. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Words weren't enough. Yeah. yeah. Regularly, everybody was cutting everybody else. Yeah. yeah. It was just like right yeah. of passage. Yeah. yeah. Learn how to deal with it. I'm not saying it's all good. Right, you know? right, right. But that's just the. the it's real tough. Yeah, and that, that was kind of my generation. Right? Yeah, well, that was my generation as well. Teaching middle schoolers. Yeah. I was like, oh man, I yeah, yeah. I mean, we used to go to the bathroom and like one of the ways the bullies would get. I mean, slap box. Oh yeah. I mean, in the bathroom and if you you lost and you, you you couldn't say anything mm-hmm. and like so. Anyways, um, you know, so seventh grade, one of my white friends, it was his birthday, and I, you know, we played jokes on each other, we ragged each other. Mm-hmm. I, uh, so he got a bunch of birthday money and was going to go. He was a baseball player, so he's going to buy a new glove or a bat or something like that. So my buddy Alan, who was white. Mm. I was like, hey, let's let's get Nolan. Let's take his wallet and freak him out. Oh, wow. So we had him in a panic all day. So I took the wallet and I gave it to Alan. Mm. And um, and then after school, you know, I was like, all right, Alan, we got to give it back to him because he's literally about to cry and he's about to call mm. his dad. Mm. And then uh, Alan's like, okay, cool. I'm going to get it out of my locker. Alan goes away and nobody and we can't see him so mm-hmm. Nolan's crying and you know Nolan's one of my best friends mm-hmm. you know my white best friends and I was like yo dude I told him what happened I was mm-hmm. like yo Alan has it and he's supposed to come back um, so the principal the resource officer comes down and then Alan's a no show and Alan had took the money and put it in his pants later on we found out um, and he shows up he shows up and says you know I don't have the money you know Sanchez has it yada yada he's lying yada yada and then they let Alan off Wow. So they called my parents and my sister and I missed the bus and my mom working middle class. You don't miss that bus and you, she she can't afford to take time mm-hmm. off because she's right. paid hourly. So um, they say, hey, you need to come pick your daughter up. We're sending Sanchez down downtown to the police station. Oh, wow. So I had to go to the police station. And that was the first time I realized that, wait a second, something's different. Like he took the money. He lied about it. He gets off. I get stuck, and I basically have a record now hmm. for theft. I get 160 hours community service wow. at, at at 12 years old. 160 oh hours goodness. community service, a jury or court duty, and uh, what was the other thing? Um, and I had to spend a night in jail. Wow, 12 years old. Where is this? Malden, South Carolina. Fascinating thing, of course, being <clears throat> that I'm guessing the other kid, Alan. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Is white? Yeah. Okay. Wow. And and so the year goes on. I do my time. I do all my community service. 
so actually before that, two weeks later, Alan gets arrested mm. for robbing a pizza man and stealing <laughs> oh the money. Goodness. Later on, confesses months later after I'm like at 142 hours of community oh service goodness. that I had to do after school for the rest of the school year. Wow. And he confesses to taking the money. Mm. And I never got an apology or anything. Right. Hmm. From, and well, and <clears throat> the fact that he said something after you'd already said something. His right. was contrary to what you had said. Correct. But it was, oh, well, we have the whole story because now we have the white kids. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, hint, hint, Covington Catholic High. <laughs> right, 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 right. It's funny how things don't well, change. Right, right. And so that was the first time I, I would say I really started to take note that I was different. And then literally immediately the next school year, my parents moved us 25, 30 miles to Piedmont, South Carolina, oh, where wow. I was really immersed in a white culture. It was only 5% well, of dramatic. ethnicity. Yeah. And it was culture shock because when the white girls came to me, I was like, oh, what? wait a second. Ew, yeah. that's disgusting. Right, right. Right. And then, <laughs> the irony, I'm married to a white woman, right? <laughs> but that so, wore off. That wore yeah, off. Yeah, it wore off because it was just different. <laughs> right. It was, it was different. You disgust me, Becky. Right. But I went to, nah. Wait a minute, Becky. You don't nah. disgust me anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I you like know, your good hair. Get out of here. Get out of yeah, oh, man. Will you flip it to the side? Yeah, yeah. I love it when you do that yeah. head thing. Yeah. Can I touch it? Can I touch your yeah. hair, Becky? Yeah. No, they were want to touch my hair, right? That's so, true. That's true. Um, and so, yeah, so it, in my school, it was it was pretty small because um, Malden, you know, we had about six, 700 kids in our class and right. then, you know, went to a school where it was like maybe 200. Oh, wow. But it was like rich rednecks. So wait, it was wait, nothing. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say that. Rednecks with money. No, but rich redneck. Yeah. That sounds like a clothing line. <laughs> Doesn't it? Like, I, it's a t-shirt that I would almost wear, but I would be like, it's yeah. like, I would wear it for the reaction, but yeah. that's, you might want to, can we look on, can we pause and see if there's a domain? <laughs> Richredneck.com. That could be like a dating site. Yeah. Right. I mean, but yeah. you know, but some, because some people think redneck is not bad. Right, right, I'm right. Sorry, I didn't mean it. Right, and you know, it what's has the name of this podcast? Token Confessions. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this really called Token Confessions? Yeah, yeah. So does that make us tokens? I mean, that's we we pretty much give our perspective of oh what. Oh my god! It, but we we define. I don't, know, I don't think I want to be on this podcast. <laughs> no, hey, but no, we. Wait, wait, no. So I thought this was something about the. Uh, oh my gosh! I'm, I've no, no, I've no. avoided being a token my whole life. No, no, no but and no, now, that's okay. No, that's oh okay. my goodness! No, but we we I thought I did well. I married a black woman. No. <laughs> I have black parents. I did. I thought about it. Yeah. I thought about it. You know, that's a whole other. We should talk about it. We're going to talk about it. I think that's intriguing because yeah, talk about some it. of the most militant black men I knew have, have white wives. Yeah. And I always wonder, and I can list them. And you know who you are if you're Sanchez, listening. Sanchez, Cedric. No, but there's, there's others. It's, it's, it's a trend. And I'm like, I don't understand it. But, I, it, you know, I, you can cut this out at this Oh, no, no, it's you're good. To you're good to I'm not sure. But I remember thinking, this is really bad. This is not what I, I don't know. I'm a philosopher, even though it doesn't sound like it. I'm actually, I think everything I do, that's why I do the work in the arts, because you get to kind of make a living as a living philosopher. But I always want, and I'm not saying this is my philosophy. I'm thinking out loud. I want to make this clear. But I, every time I see a militant black is this really? It sounds, this is what I'm saying may sound controversial, though. I don't want to be. I'm never going to run for office, but just don't ever cut this off and not. <laughs> if, if, if you ever hear anything I'm about to say, if they say it in a, in a, I'm about to say it in a way to where it can't be cut and just put out by itself. Right. But I always wondered, like the black men that are militant that have 
white wives. So some people will be like, well, they're sellouts. So that's the thing you'll hear, right? Yeah, yeah. But then I look at it and I'm wondering, like, well, maybe they just really took militancy so far that they're like, I'm just going to take the white woman from the white man. And I, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know, but I I'll mean, but that, but, but that's, but that's to me, like rationally, that's got. If they're really militant and they're not doing that out of a compensation thing, yeah, that that my, that's the only thing my brain could yeah. say is like and maybe that's. I thought going about on. that, and I wonder if that's. Hey, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying it. I mean, you can say it because yeah. some of my best friends are have white white. No, I'm joking, but I actually, I'm trying to think. No, I, well, I do have friends that have white wives, and I, I don't judge them. I just want you to know I'm not judging you. Mm-hmm. But if you're militant, you have a white wife. I just think we should discuss that. I wonder if that's if people get pissed off at us about our posts, seeing that hey, we, they they might assume like, oh, you're married to a white woman, so you are, you have like crucified or not crucified, but sacrificed your culture mm. to embrace us, and you have now denied yourself and your reality. And then, like, they look at us in our posts in this podcast, and they're like, wait a second. You know, and then they start degrading our wives because there's also the flip side of where white people view white women who are with black men in a certain way. And so, you know, and and I think that's, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I I let my wife tell her own story, but I I think she has become more aware of that lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, Whether it's with, you know, how black people treat her or how white people treat her, Mm -hmm. you know, and so there's this stigma that that comes with that. And um, I know that, you know, and let me give you let me give you a practical practical example of this. White guys that play basketball. Right. They are often like marginalized by their own people because especially if they've done it since they were a kid Mm -hmm. and they have any urban twang. So I remember coaching and, uh, you know, uh, private school, but um, white guy that played basketball, he's only been around black dudes his whole life. Yeah. Understand, no, understand his culture. Talk, me. Yeah, yeah. He and like, like, wait, wait, wait. And people Coaches. think he's trying, right? Yeah, and yeah. he's like, no, this, this is just who I am. But he's yeah. also he comes from a wealthy family. Yeah. But you, you wouldn't believe the marginalization he went through mm. on the opposite side, you know. And so I didn't marry my wife to prove a point and to stick it to the white man. I married her because you know we were compatible and we complemented each other really well. But oftentimes, did you, did you have premarital sex? Oh, she has big booty for real. Yeah, well, I didn't see her. <laughs> oh my I, just, I just want to make it clear that I, I, I wasn't... didn't marry my wife for shallow reasons. <laughs> you didn't. See, Sanchez or is I, didn't, I don't objectify my wife. So That's great. That's great. You will never hear me say my wife is hot on social media. You will never hear me say she's fine or anything like that. Because I, I just, for me, having growing up with six sisters, wow. I really respected women and really valued women. And, and that was something that was handed down to my, my from my parents. Mm. So... Right, exactly. Other people would tell me, well, your wife is really beautiful. I say, yeah, I tell her all the time. Right, right. But you, I'm sorry, I got confused with the big booty thing. I Sorry. I do that just to throw I got, it, it threw me off. I'm like, big booty, but you have a white wife. I, but you know, but, but have you noticed that the booty thing is, it's like it's become cross-cultural. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it is. Like it used to be, I remember having a big butt used to mean that you were black or. Right. Well, you know the number one cosmetic surgery in the U.S. right now is Brazilian butt lifts. That's what the word in the street is. I have a friend that can get you get half some. price. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I like, don't I mean, need you can have price. I mean, it works. I think it's probably like a 95%. Well, I don't know what the oh percentage. <laughs> like, yeah, just when you sit down, but just imagine if you, you never have to, like, you can go to a baseball game. 
you know, you sit in the chair for like never forever. have to fill it. You don't have to. You don't have to have any expensive. Nothing expensive. It could be a ch- the cheap seat. You know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh! You know, you can go yeah. to your kids' soccer like soccer game. That's you know, you don't need a chair. That's just, hilarious. Oh man, you just squat. Yeah. It's, okay. So. <laughs> So yeah, so uh, just fair warning. It's ten thirty-seven. It's, it's ten thirty-seven. It's late. It's gonna get a little messy, but right, it's right. all good. It's but all I'm good. I'm just trying to figure. Out. I don't know if I want to be a token. I didn't know this was a token. It's not. Podcast. So so we 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 we, okay. we we talked about on season two. Like a lot of our conversations, primarily going to be through a token a token lens because we're trying yeah. to help our white friends who are trying to do the work and learn. Oh, this is we're, what this is about. Yeah. So we're trying to help share our experiences our, okay. through the token lens because we basically say you can be token in the white culture, but you're probably viewed as an outcast in the black culture. Right. Because you're down the middle kind of thing. So, oh my God. And I'm so waking up to it. I, I didn't know. I, I think, um, I should have, so, I should have given you that. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I just would like to speak to the, to the white person, um, that's, uh, listening to this right now. Once you listen to my voice, okay? Now you understand how you feel right now. You 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 see how I I'm talking to you. You 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 know that I'm talking to you. Do you feel that? Do you feel it? I just want you to know that that this is what a person like a person that subscribes the token. This is the thing the thing that that they're getting from from me. That the thing that you're getting from me is something that the token wishes that they could have. Mm. So even though I'm talking to you right now. The, the, the number one thing you can do is talk to the person based on what you know about them, mm. like what I'm doing with you right now. So if if if, if this is something that white people are coming to, to to understand how to help marginalize black people, particularly black people in their spaces. Now, the number one thing you have to look at is like the idea of what it means to be human. Right. right. So I mean, and then you have to understand that race is a historical construct and race is not real. Right, um, but it's real because of these constructs that have been created to perpetuate power. Right, and the, and, now, and I'm not a race scholar for the most part because I don't believe that it's real, but it is real because we say it's real in our minds. Right, and, we, and what we realize yeah, we is that a whole yeah, yeah. That's set exactly, up right, exactly, completely biologically false. Yeah. Right, and we talked about this early in the kitchen about yeah. you know how in, you know in 20 years, let's say, you know, black white racism won't be probably a, a thing different. anymore it'd be yeah. different you know racism is going to look completely different yeah. so essentially you know the thing we have to work together towards is uh breaking the system of yeah. racism well, in the first place you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go there though for a second please you already see where it's going right it's not so much about black and white not african-american and white black american white mm-hmm. the, the, the new other is hispanic mm which has always been one of the others, right. but it's being honed in a different way yeah, man. than it's been honed since mm. basically like the, the Great Depression, mm. when you had the uh, Mexican repatriation period mm. yeah, during the beginnings of the Great Depression. Now talk you know a little history. bit about that period, because you know some of our listeners may not know, and I yeah, probably so just don't know. <laughs> I was like, of, can you say the word, the Mexican what, re what? Well, a lot of people don't realize this, but the border used to be open because a lot of the field workers in particular oh, yeah. places like California and Texas, okay. right, yep. they, would, they, would, they would come over, do work in America, and mm. then they would go back across the border home. So all every day, five days a week, they're crossing the border. Right, and, no and if you're wondering why your produce and veggies aren't as great as they are right now, are they all right, right. D- anyways, yeah. let's continue to go. So, 
The he devil is a lie. <laughs> is watermelon affected by that? No. It grows on the ground. But if you were listening earlier, you know that I, I don't eat watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly in the summertime when it's ripe. Oh, man. Go ahead, Seth. So, yeah, in the Great Depression happens. And you have people freaking out about jobs and trying to secure jobs. And, of course, you know, we're looking for scapegoats. And mm. so Hispanic Mexicans in particular became scapegoats. So then mm. there's this big movement to repatriate them, which was this yeah. fancy way of saying move them back to Mexico, wow. keep them there. So then what happened was, though, you had hundreds of thousands of legal citizens, wow. not the ones who were crossing the border daily, but ones that actually had homes in America and had legal residence mm. and, and citizenship mm, in mm, America, mm, mm, mm. who also got taken <clears throat> out, removed out of their homes and shipped across the border. Right. So then what happens to their property? Right. Right. And there's the power aspect. Right, right. Because then, like, power starts with wealth. Right, right. Yeah, man. And I, I think for me, even like, I'm just going to use like, just kind of process and use my brain out loud. I mean, it's, it's, there's no denying that the black intellectual is, you know, black intellectualism is rising. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are aware of things culturally, business wise. Mm-hmm. There, you know, we, we have more college students going. We have second and third generation college students, yep. et cetera. And so it's not that we will ever be equal to white people. And I'm not I'm not alluding to that, but it's OK. How can we oppress the next less educated? He said we'll never be equal to white people. Yeah. No, I don't believe that. OK. Yeah. I, I, I felt like the the the, um, the honorable no, I didn't, I mean, showed up. No, 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 no. no. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that awkwardly. But no, 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 no. no, no, no but it's like uh, brother Malcolm says. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. And I, maybe I, I should elaborate. You, but, but you said you don't think we'll ever be equal to white people. That's what I think, you said. I think in a sense of like when it comes to the racial construct in general, when it mm-hmm. comes to racism. Like, I think they're still always going to, because, I mean, even, like, just going based on random information of, you know, America will be, you know, there won't be necessarily, like, white people will be the majority, yet when you look at, like, Congress and the Senate, it's still going to be majority white. So mm. I think that's why I said, yeah, I think that's why, I, that's mm. that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wait, wait, like, what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, 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 it's more like when I'm, talk, when I'm talking about racism, I'm talking about, or equality to mm. white people, I'm more or less talking about in this, in this vein of racism. What was that character and, in Django? Oh, uh, Samuel Jackson's character. Oh, right, right, right. What was right. his name? Uh, I don't know his name, but yeah, when but, you yeah, said, we talk about him all the time. Like, like when you, when you, you said, won't let this. Like when you said that, it's, yeah. it's like that character just popped out out of the dark, oh, and he said, no. "That's right, boy. <laughs> you ain't gonna never be equal. You just better yeah, do what yeah, Bowser yeah, say, yeah, and I'm gonna do whatever Quentin Tarantino writing these scripts. Right, right. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Stephen, Stephen, yeah, Stephen, Stephen, yeah, yeah. Please, please don't use me saying Quentin Tarantino. And um, say the N word. Yeah, bleep, bleep, bleep that out for me if you can. No, 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 no. It's all good. Like, we, we've said it before, so yeah. But no, I, this but, for me, I, Art Hooker. I don't want Art Hooker. Like, oh, if I, I do it, you. I need it needs to be straight up. Like, be say, I'd be saying it because of I'd be calling Donald Trump that or something. But 
But you can beat me though, but still like you can hear me go and you no. be like, but if I, you know, because I, I, or if you want to quote me with like when um, Cornel West said that, no, I shouldn't say that, but don't use this either. When I said when Cornel West said um, that nine eleven, don't use this. But Cornel West, Cornel West said that nine eleven was the niggerization of America. Did you did you hear that? Oof, did no. you, I remember something. I know that, and you can Google it. It was quite interesting, but it, it's he's a, it's fascinating, and and on the. I, you know, I really don't want to. That's a. I, I, I think our audience is sophisticated enough. To yeah, know yeah that they are. Quoting Cornell West, they're gonna go Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I found it interesting, but if you think about what that meant, though, mm-hmm. I mean, I, not and I, I'm not one of those people. I don't rejoice in. I'm obviously I'm American. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. Uh, I said obviously, like so maybe if it's to some people, it depends on how far how. <laughs> depends on the equality. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but um. It's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, so so my processing was, mm. you know, racism being still here, mm-hmm. whether it's in a different form. Mm-hmm. If if Hispanics, like you're saying, are moving to now being the oppressed minority, mm-hmm. like that's still a form of systemic racism that exists. So, in my opinion, how can we now be equals if you don't value, like you're going back to your saying, like mm-hmm. if we value humanity correctly, mm-hmm then I'm all about it. I think mm. it will mm. dissolve. But, yeah. you know, am I hopeful? Sometimes. Mm. In my reality that mm. I paint, you know, in my mm. house, you know, we have all kinds of people here who, you know, are just themselves, you know. And like our son, he's exposed to things. But I'm also aware that as I'm exposing my son to the reality that I'm hoping mm. for for America, mm. I also have to teach him about the realities yeah, yeah, of yeah. America. So, That's yeah, yeah, it really is. Especially, I mean, he's biracial. I mean, yeah. it's saying like, hey, yeah, you're both black and white, but hey, outside of this house, people are going to think you're a black kid. So what do you think about that? Because like, they say Obama's black. Like, I mean, I, Obama, to me, like, I was able, because, like, to me, I think a lot more literal. So I'm right. not saying he's not black, but it is ironic that his mama, his mother's white. And, um, and he was raised by his mother. He was raised by his mother. And then his dad is an African-American. Well, he's African. African, he, he's but. Fr- he's from yeah, Kenya. Still in, uh, yeah. Kenya. And yeah. so um, I always, when I think about that, I always, but then the, what made me think Obama, well, maybe, well, first of all, he has swag. He has a black man's swag. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And he married a black woman. Right. So I just felt like, and, like, I didn't mean that to you guys. I said you're not black. No, 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 no. It's like, wait, wait. No. That's, that's what people start, like, throwing chairs across. No, the, no, no. But, but that's like what, he, that's what people say. Yeah, that, yeah. That's what people say. He. That's why people say he's black, because yeah. he's married to a black woman. Yeah. He he loves basketball, and yeah. he used to smoke yeah. dope, and he has the qualities of a black yeah. man, and, you know. We still Yeah, right. I think that's true. We yeah, still, yeah. It is ingrained right. into yep. our right. society's yep. way of categorizing. Yeah. yeah, and I think that also spills over to our white wives. Mm. You know, they they somewhat inherit that, like you're associated with. And they're talking about their white wives, and and I just want you guys to know, just because I do that, doesn't mean I don't love the white people that are listening, even the white women. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't desire the white no. women. But it's not that I don't that you're not desirable, right? It's you know he, he's it's just, married, yeah, married, yeah. So it's not, it's not. I just want you to understand, it's not like a, yeah, a direct yeah, thing where it's yeah, like yeah, I'm not yeah, art X. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm no, not Cedric. Cedric. Listen, listen. Some some of my best friends are white. You right, know, and some right. of my best friends here have white wives. So I just want you to know. <laughs> That I, there's no, I'm, there's no like thing yeah. where there's tension against me against other ethnicities. No, but. no, and y'all, I mean, y'all, I mean, they they trust us enough. I oh, mean, they people know. They, they trust. Yeah, they the trust. Yeah, they, they trust people. We're they, they trust up. tokens, actually, don't they? These, right. That's that's where the same. That's the funny people. thing. But, but wait a minute, I just identify. I, I, I don't identify as a token, but I just did by accident. <laughs> 
The devil is alive. I mean, is, yeah. is, is there any Pentecostal tokens? Because we're going to start going into tongues right now. Yeah, so he, actually. Come on yeah. a Honda or Chevrolet. <laughs> Repeat after me. Okay, we're going to teach first. Shut up on he, Come in a Honda. Repeat after me. He come in a Honda. And if you really want to feel the Holy Spirit, just say it fast. He come in a Honda. He come in a Honda. He come in a Honda. And then here's next, the next phrase. Or a Chevrolet. 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 He come in a Honda. And, uh, and if you have some Catholic kind of charismatic thing, do that 20 times. <laughs> and then give me a Hail Mary. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yo, Malik so, Salami. Yo, we are having so much fun. Harambe. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. I have no idea. No, it's Ashe. 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 Shit about a Hyundai. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like Hondas and Chevrolet, you shit about a Hyundai. You shit about a Hyundai, which is wisdom. They have this great, um, you know, what do you call it? The warranty's great. Yeah. But, but they made the warranty great because they made good cars. And so you just paid extra money for And they no made reason. the cars in America, which makes America great. Yeah. I'm sorry. There you go. There you go. Because, I mean. Yeah. Oh man, so oh. so as I mean, I hope you guys have had fun. But you know, so art we do this thing called final words, oh. you know, final thoughts, and so um, we're still yeah, fifteen Wowzers. twenty minutes, and so uh, Wowzers. I you know I, you know obviously you shared a little bit of your story, um, you know maybe share a little bit about you know whether scenes you you feel like would be helpful for our white listeners when it comes to the conversation of race like i think our mm. podcast has done a great job at yeah. like de-arming people yeah. and being a safe place for them to process yeah. and hear us process out loud and yeah. disagree but also like process how we are like i just did like yeah. this is why i said what i said and mm. this is how i arrived there mm. but what are some things you feel like would be helpful i mean obviously just them hearing your story yeah. about high school and and yeah. you know even beginning the conversation Conversation, yeah. I think is going to be helpful, but you know, just in some of the the work you've done, yeah. and, you know, your exposure across America. What are, what are some things that are helpful? It's interesting. So I want the, every person who identifies himself as white. I want you to lean into the to the. I, I would say radio without making me. That's why I'm not a millennial because millennials <laughs> don't listen to the radio. But you know, turn up your your um your ear pods on your um AirPods or your Beats. You turn up your five hundred dollar headphones and um, <laughs> <laughs> no. But if you're white, you probably don't, and you probably wouldn't spend five hundred dollars unless you have Bose. Which yeah, about, yeah, or the, the standard comfort. Apple. Yeah, yeah. So, and, yes. Oh my gosh, that that was racist. God forgive me. That was just stereotyping. <laughs> you see what I just did? I stereotyped you. Just like, never mind. <laughs> but you wouldn't stereotype me because you you wouldn't do that. I know you wouldn't. But I'm sinful. I did. I just stereotyped you, and I'm imagining some someone with a polo shirt. That's what I'm. The Lord is showing me some somebody listening to me wearing. It's, it's you wearing a polo shirt. You wearing a, you wearing a polo shirt. Wait, you wearing a wait wait. And, and there's a crick in your neck. Oh, no, I'm, no. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So um so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna want like they'll probably cut all this off. No, we're not cutting so, anything. Let, let me so let me come back. Okay, so. The thing that I, I find really interesting, so you talk about this, so I've, I've done a lot of work with convening people around race in America, mm-hmm. um, and particularly, um, I, I just, one of the, th- the thoughts that comes to mind um, when I think about an interview I did, maybe like five years ago, I was interviewing a young South African, he was upwardly mobile, um, he, but he was old enough to have lived in um, like the last part of apartheid. So mm. and then he's and then being able to experience 
the country now. And um, I remember I was interviewing him and I had, there was a, and my DP that was filming was um, a young white woman. And, um, and so he's talking about it and he's, and he's talking about like how the country came together, Mm -hmm. but he said it was a matter of time for them to win their independence because it was their land. Mm. He said it was a matter of time because they were the majority. Mm. He said it was a matter of time because all they had to do was eventually get together to be able to, to take their country back. Mm. And so then and during that, we started talking and I was talking to him about cross-cultural collaboration and, and how the ideas of how other ethnicities work together to help them get free. And he was like, that's fine. But then at some point he got tired of my interview. And I, this doesn't happen to me very often. Usually, you know, I'm a professional interviewer. I talk to people all the time. Mm-hmm. But he stopped and he said, um, why are you here? I remember, and he said that, yeah. in a, in, in his, and we were, he said, why are you here? Uh, he, he's asking me this. And I said, I don't know what you mean. I'm, I'm here because, you know, I mean, are you talking about because of slavery? Or what, what are right, you talking about? Right. He said, no, you, you have no chance. Hmm. He said, they outnumber you. Hmm. He said, there, there's no reason for, there's no way for you to win. They don't have to, and they're, and they're killing you in the streets. Hmm. Why are you here? He said, tell me, why are you here? And when he said that to me, I, I was literally, kind of, I thought about it. I was like, huh. I mean, I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I, I didn't really have a good answer for yeah. him. But I was, as I was formulating the question, um, the, my white um, DP that worked for me, which is something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to start talking to the, to the person, start the interview. But the white DP starts telling her, he needs to stay here. He's mm. supposed to be here. Mm. Now she doesn't know what she was manifesting, but she started telling him, and she started. She took over my interview, mm. oh. and she said, "No, he's he's supposed to be here. Don't, don't tell him that. You should be here. We need you here." And so, in her heart, that was like mm. she was trying to help me. Mm. You know what I mean? But she broke protocol in the interview to tell a black South African who had lived through apartheid. Mm and understood the power of being an indigenous person. Right. And he had a legitimate question to ask me directly. And I'm a black person in America that's from African descent that was brought here by, you know, I was was through, through slavery and someone whose ancestry was basically connected to that sort of right. work tells me that he belongs here. Hmm. He's supposed to be here. And so the reason I bring that up is because it's an interesting construct because it is, why are you here? And, and if I am to stay in America, I have to say that I have to understand that if I, and particularly in my, my faith and my Christianity, I have to believe that all things work together for the good of those who, you know, all things work together for the good. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a theologian, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if I have to believe that God has some sort of sovereignty that has us in this space at this time. And when I look at that, and then I would challenge others to look at this idea of America really is an experiment. Hmm. 
And if we're going to look at America as an experiment, are we going to look at America when we look at like we the people? Are we going to look at all of the people? Mm. Are we going to see ourselves as all fully human? And then if we're doing that, it's important for us to start examining how we're behaving and and really looking at ourselves critically. And um, and what we have to do is when you look at how we're thinking and acting critically – when you have to be critical on yourself first. Yeah, yeah. So, cause there's times when I've reacted the way that the white person did in, in my interview, when right. she just started talking over it, but can you stop and be humble enough right. to hear yourself? Cause later she came to me, she said, I feel like that was wrong. I'm like, it was like, you yeah. shouldn't have done that. But to be honest, I really didn't go deep with her on why that was wrong. Yeah. Right. Because to be honest, when he asked me, why are you here? I was surprised that I really didn't have a lot of substantial yeah. answers. Yeah. You know? and, and so the reason I bring that up, and I, this is two-pronged, but I, and you can do whatever you want no, to do good. with this. It's two-pronged. So we did this thing after the Charleston shootings. And, um, and before that, I was, I was brought in by this group in Boston. And um, the, the job that I was given was to help them chart the way forward for Christianity over the next 200 years. Mm. And so I was doing strategy because I, I, I know I'm, I'm a filmmaker and a strategist and a social designer. Social designers basically work together with multiple disciplinary groups and we, we um, look at problems and solutions and we, we listen to the people who are suffering from certain scenarios or we, we listen to the problem to the people and we find different ways within groups to create solutions. And, um, and so I'm, I'm working with this group and something that started to occur to me is when I start looking at the patterns – is we're looking at the history of Christianity um, really seems to connect really well with imperialism. Mm. And, it's, and it looks like it's in every place in the world. And I start to recall like all the countries where I've done research. Because I've done, I spent about 15 years doing qualitative research around um, passion, creativity, and movements. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of studying why people do what they do, mm-hmm. um, one of the disturbing facts is that the, the thing that I had to continually work on my faith is I noticed that in places where people were being oppressed, that there were always, this is not, and, and, and this is not, a, I'm not, a, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus. I believe I'm a Christian. Um, and I'll just, but there's other ways I can describe that, um, particularly when we talk through a cultural lens. But, I, I, I am a Christian, and what was interesting is, but I noticed in all these countries there were these there was a pairing between um, the gospel, imperialism, war, money, power, and it was always something yeah. that I would come across, yeah. like, particularly in, like the Philippines or yeah, yeah. and um and it, so and so was yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah. If you that's church history. Yeah. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of got lost in that, but I was I started off with a no, point. No, no, it's good. I, mean, I think what you're what you're doing is kind of one of the things we talk about oh, how being tokenized uh, of how oftentimes we're not allowed to interpret mm-hmm. our own experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you can know. tell you about that. I was trying to get to Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. And I, I'll make it fast because I've been acting like a long-winded preacher. So <laughs> <laughs> I have. I'm like, oh, I've never done a podcast before. <laughs> Wow, this is fun, you guys. Uh, <laughs> I can tell stories. Oh, my gosh. I can talk about talking white. Yeah, Everything yeah, is like, yeah. I, just, I feel so therapeutic. Yeah, I, I can, yeah. Becky, can't we talk about Becky with the good hair? 
<laughs> no, um, so we were working Beyonce. on this project, but I started seeing all these things that were connected, yeah. and then the Charleston shootings happened. Yeah, and so and this is this is these are and this is particularly the, the group was white evangelicals, and then one one a person has become a pretty decent friend of mine. Um, that's an African American thinker. He works in the White House. He's just a really prominent dude, really really brilliant dude. He brought to our attention. He wrote this piece um, in the. Um, he wrote this piece on um, the Daily Beast, mm. and um, and then we had this big conference call about the Charleston shootings, and he called out all of the white. These are the like the ever they're the name brand white evangelical leaders. Mm. Like any name, any white evangelical leader you can think of was on this call, and he called them out and said, "It's you need to do something about this. You need to speak out about this about these innocent black folks sitting in a church." And they were gunned down. Yep. And what I found was through that process. So then, at that point, we actually, um, I did a strategy where we created this. We created talks, and we started to wrestle with um, how can this sort of thing never happen again. And I remember with all these prominent leaders getting together, and I remember all of the strategy sessions we did. We actually, I actually produced the only um, event um, that occurred to commemorate the deaths of the Charleston Nine um, one year later mm. at Mother Emanuel. And um, in actually, the, some of the music that we've started to work on together, mm-hmm. the, the first one of the first songs was sang um, by Will Reagan and Freddie um, at the same exact time that the shootings happened mm. um, in, in Mother Emanuel, right? Mm. And so we do all this work, wow. bringing people around the country to talk about race. Right. And... Um, at the end of that experience, I discovered two things. One, that the people that have the biggest mouthpieces to make change around race are not going to do it. Right. If you're listening to this podcast, no matter what your ethnicity is, and you don't have more than 1,500 followers on any platform, you are going to create more change right, right. if you're committed right. than any of the household names that you hear. Correct. Number Amen. one. Yep. Number two, the thing that we learned that was quite interesting is working to create, working together is important. You come together, people have different. So if you want to, if you want to fix any issue, work with somebody different than you. Right. To create something new, no matter right. what it is. Right, right. Now, you will think, most of us, when we do this, because we're goal-oriented, we think that whatever we created is actually the artifact. Like, whatever, you work together to, to do something in a park. You, you're happy you created that. Yeah. But the actual power that we discovered through all these hours of research is that it's not the thing that you create together, but it's the fact that you create it together. Mm. And that is the key. Yeah. That's great, man. That's great. Hey guys, uh, our, we're sleepy now. Yeah, it's I gotta get up and I gotta get up at five a.m. So, uh, oh man, I need to get some pistachios. You know, is this more? Is is, is Hope Booth still there, open? The Harris Cedar still open? Harris, yeah, that's a southern thing. Harris Cedar, yeah, yeah. Anyways, like the <laughs> hey, listen, uh, listen, we're gonna have Art back on the podcast. Oh my gosh, again somebody, soon. Thank you guys should... for listening. Oh, uh, yeah, we're still going. <laughs> Oh, we're still going. I'm like, yeah, about to start answering text messages. Yeah, yeah. So again, we all right. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Um, really appreciate it. It's-
it's, it's great to have different insight and different perspective. Yeah. And so you can follow Art um, on social media. You got a website or anything? You can find me at, at Art Hooker. Yep. At any, Art Hooker and on any platform, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, and I'm actually, what's the best website to find me at? Um, yeah, just, just find me on social media. I'll point you. Uh, part of what I've been doing, and no, I won't tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I just, it'll be a surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A R T Hooker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And don't Google it. Well, you can Google it. You'll find me. But if you just be careful, make sure you put art in front of it. You just put Google. <laughs> But Google Hooker, I, I can't be responsible for what comes up, and then your wife's gonna make you get covenant eyes. And I'm literally, <laughs> is nothing wrong with that? No, listen, it's good. I I have to shut this down because every time I laugh, my sciatica and my nerves flare up, and it hurts so bad. Like I'm literally, I'm literally hurting while laughing. I'm so, so sorry. Uh, again, until next time, uh, we got more special <laughs> guests coming. Uh, we've got actually, I'm, I'm working on a. I'm, I'm gonna try to figure out a way to get Brandy Miller uh, on. Oh, she's coming. Uh, yeah, she's incredible. Why don't we just call her right now? Uh, she is three hours behind, late. so but I'm gonna like, get to bed. She be like, let's talk yeah. about race. Let's talk about race. If you don't know who <laughs> Brandy Miller race, is, baby. Let's in. talk about. Wait a minute. <laughs> I can't do it's the wrong phone. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. All the good things I and the bad oh things that gave me. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I can't do it. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Until, until, until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Y'all have a good one.